Hello, hello. Welcome to another episode of Off Air. It's your weekly news, sport and pop culture podcast that pops into your life on a Wednesday where me, uh, Tim Rubin, and my mate Nick Stewart pull apart the three biggest stories of the week as decided upon by me. Nick doesn't know what the stories are, but I like to give you a little sneak peek into what they are. So this week we're going to be doing the rise of the Karens. Um, is TikTok secretly a Chinese spyware app? And hashtag challenge accepted the black and white Insta empowerment movement that is probably taking over your newsfeed at the moment. That's all coming up around the corner. And also, um, if you're not a part of it already, there is actually a Facebook page, a Facebook group that you can be a part of. All you have to do is search off air in your Facebook browser and we can chat about all these things throughout the week. So we would love to see you in there. Let's get into it. Tim, Nick, yeah, hey, with Nick, Nick and Tim. Tim. It's real talk, yeah. it's real walk. This ain't gossip, it's just what we say when we're all here. It's real talk, it's real talk. Just two opinions, we spit what we say. We all here. It's real talk, it's true talk. It's two opinions, we spit what we say when we all here. Hello, Nick Stewart, my friend. How are you this week? Feeling glorious, mate. How are you going? I'm feeling good. Um, how are you? You were suffering from a ridiculous hangover last week. Is it out of your system? I'm okay. It's okay. I'm not a problem drinker. I did go away to a farm on the weekend and do all things masculine. Uh, but uh, I, I feel good. It's by Wednesday, I've managed to pull my socks up, mate. Good. Good to hear. Good for you. Um, I'm really good. I had a wonderful weekend. We um, drove into the mountains on the Victorian side, obviously, and did like a massive hike through the snow, which was really, really nice. We both had very outdoorsy weekends. That's good. Yeah, look at us being real men of the land. I think it's important in this post-apocalyptic world we live in that we start to gain some skills for when everything goes off grid. <laughs> it's actually, um, it's a really nice thing to do at the moment. And this is going to sound awful, but because Melbourne is locked down. So if you live in regional Victoria and you want to explore other regional places, it's empty. So like we hiked Mount Buffalo and we saw like three other people on a whole mountain. <laughs> um <laughs> So, like, obviously, I'm very sorry for all the Melbourne people who are stuck in their homes and apartments. But for us, woo, it's great. I am curious to know, because uh, I saw photos of this trip and it looks beautiful, but uh -huh. how much is your endorsement deal with Katmandu worth? Because <laughs> it looked like you were basically modeling the whole catalog there, mate. That's, uh, I've got, it's actually a Patagonia jumper that I got for my birthday from my grandma. <laughs> I, Ellie and I both have so much outdoor gear that we've made fun of this before. Whenever we take photos, we look like... Somebody said like an Aldi outdoor catalog or a Katmandu catalog. I don't yeah, know. It's definitely not Aldi. It's definitely more high-end than that. I was <laughs> it's I not your weekly so special. Yeah, yeah. We look. It looks ridiculous. Um, do you have a uh, Do you have a Nick pick for? I for do. Me? Have what a have Nick you been pick. getting up to? We are going. Well, I went to the farm and and did that type of thing. But my Nick pick is actually uh, a video game called Ghost of Tsushima, uh, which came out last Thursday, and it is a. I guess you'd say it's a full blown JRPG, which is a. a, a Japanese role player game. So really big world for you to walk around and you play as a samurai. Uh, and I am, it is the best game I have played since Red Dead Redemption 2 came out, which I think was two years ago now. So it, it, it is an awesome game and I'd highly recommend any gamers out there to get involved in it. Ghost of Tsushima. You don't need me to say the title because if you're a gamer, you already know. You really, you lost me when you said some type of acronym because I don't play, I don't have any PlayStation or Xbox. JRP, JP, JPG, PNG which is file. Not, no, no. So basically it describes a game where you go 
really experience an open world. So there's this big area that you can walk around and it adapts to your environment and there's characters you can go talk to and and it's not a linear storyline. So it doesn't go in one direction. You could take it wherever you want to go. And it's good. It is awesome. Awesome. The graphics are incredible and the gameplay is really good as well. Let's find out. How about you? What's what's your nick? Oh, what were you going to say? I was going to say, let's find out. Uh, Send us a message on Facebook. We have a Facebook group, by the way. It's called Off Air. Send us a message if you actually play this game because I would love to know if any of our listeners are gamers or if you all, like me, are like, "Mm, I'm not going to play JPEG. Actually, you're (laughs) the kind of weirdo that wouldn't even do this. But I describe this as, like, does your mum play uh, Candy Crush on her phone? Or do you play, is there a game that you play on your phone? No. I don't have any games on no, my phone. No, because you fucking go walk in the snow like <laughs> yeah, exactly. a weirdo. That's what I do. I like to go outside. Yeah, um, enjoy that. Do you want to know my Nick pick? Yes, I do. Oh, man. Great uh, new reality show that dropped on Netflix in the last couple of days. Ellie and I binged a few episodes of it last night. It's called um, Indian Matchmaking. Have you seen this? Have you had it recommended to you? I'm assuming I have seen a large number of memes in the Facebook group Subtle Curry Traits that you added me to about three years ago. Uh, so good. Can you explain the premise to me? Yeah, so obviously matchmaking and arranged marriages is still a very big thing in Indian culture. And finally, someone's decided to make a TV show about it. They follow this very high-end matchmaker. She goes to all these different like rich families who have young people who are kind of in their 20s and normally early 30s. They're at the point where the families are like, you got to get married now. Um, and the matchmaker tries to matchmake them. It's really interesting. Really, that sounds amazing. And so, do they delve into the whole uh, uh, caste system that they have in India, and they that you touch, can't marry up and down? They and- touch on it. They touch on it. But I mean, today, um, most of the people come from quite modern families, so they're very open to moving from castes. Um, but some of them still have preferences, like these three castes are cool and these ones aren't. It's really interesting. Gosh, Such a yeah. complex. They go to a face reader to figure out people's tr- personality traits. It's really fun. It's just like a whole other world. I mean, I guess that's what culture is, but yeah. <laughs> but it's all, you're right. It is awesome watching dating shows from other, like what was that? Uh, what's the great uh, Chinese? If you are the one, if, oh, or you yeah. are the one. Yeah. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. It is. It is awesome watching dating shows from other cultures and seeing how different people interact, especially when it comes around that. Cause it's such a universal thing that we all go through. Yeah. Really interesting. All right, should we kick it off? Let's do it. Story number one, Rise of the Karens. Nick, another Melbourne woman has filmed herself in an anti-mask argument literally today. This one is her confronting police officers in Dandenong who attempted to find her, fine her for not wearing a mask. So far this week, we've already seen Bunnings Karen, Kmart Karen and Brighton Karen. Nick, where are all the Karens coming from? <laughs> I don't know, and I don't understand their intricate knowledge of ancient laws either. <laughs> like, it's always the, the common law of man as decided in the 17th century or the 1948 Human Rights Convention well, they were that they're quoting. Yeah. <laughs> they remember it. They remember when it happened. But it, isn't it wild that, that that's the part that, A, the part that blows my mind is they look normal. Like, they don't look like full-blown crazy hippies. These look like... 40 to 50-year-old housewives uh, who have an axe to grind, but then B, that they're all running out this same script, which can I just say, if you're listening and you think that that helps you, 
It doesn't. It's well, complete bullshit. They all still get the fine. This is the thing. We've seen all no, the different- Tim, no, but they're, but, they're, but they're people. They're not corporations. And technically, if you refer to them as a person, then that can only be a corporation which has already died. What? What are you talking but about? That's the, that's the crap they all go on about. That's what they so say? It's, yeah, which is like, okay. And, and the, but the, the story I love the most is in regards to the Bunnings Karen, who was huh. also the Australia Post Karen. She did both. And then when a current affair turned up, she had the audacity to call the police. Yeah, which I love. Like, yeah, they're the, I love how for them, the, the authoritative system of Australia only exists when it exists to benefit them. Mm-hmm. They're allowed to flaunt the, flaunt the rules. Why do you think we're not seeing male Karens in Australian media yet, Tim? I don't know. I think that there are male Karens around. I just don't think that they f- they're as likely to film stuff. Um I had an experience the other day. I was in a butcher shop, a a little butcher in Bendigo, and it's a very small space. And there big on the door, it says two people maximum. And as I arrived, there was another man already waiting outside, like in his probably 30s. And also a male Karen. So I'm going to say like a 60-year-old man. Let's call him uh, a Michael. He arrived, walked straight past us, into the butcher shop where there were already two people, didn't ask anybody if they were waiting. And and so then there were three people in and two people now waiting outside and just completely disregarded all of the rules. I mean, he didn't film what was going on. Then once I eventually went in, um, when it was just me and him in there, another Michael entered who knew the first Michael. So again, the second Michael broke the rules again. Yeah, yeah. He came in. So now there's three of us in there. And then he saw the first Michael and he went, Michael, and walked over, shook his hand, patted him on the back, and they had a whole conversation in the butcher shop. So- Did the butcher say anything? No, he didn't. Throughout this whole process? No, nobody in the butcher this shop. This is very good. And I know what you're like, Tim. I'm very surprised you didn't say something because I- you're, you, you are pretty good at calling people out when they're dickheads. Yeah. I feel, I, I don't know. I felt awkward about doing it in public. I'd be more, I don't know. I didn't say anything. But I think that there are male Karens as well. I think that the videos are coming from female Karens. But it's all the same looking woman as well. And as I said, they're all running the same script and this all has to come from somewhere. But ultimately, it's very interesting. I was actually uh, chatting with a a a psychologist in human behavior. Really? Or specializes, I guess most do. But he was saying that the main reason that they're perpetuating this whole conspiracy theory or that 5G towers are, are to blame and it's the government trying to control people is it gives them a sense of control over their own lives. It's a lot easier to blame the government than to think that there's this weird thing out there that we can't see that's killing old people. Um, so it's just, it's really bizarre entitled behavior, but it's so Australian as well. I think it's like, obviously we see it in America, but it's such an Australian thing for us to constantly think that the systems in place are there to only benefit us and, and solely to help us. And when we don't want to do it, that's allowed. Like it's that yeah. very Australian thing of like, oh, so the 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 uh, lockdown starts at midnight on Sunday, so that means I need to get to the footy on Saturday. Like it's a virus; it it it, it, it isn't waiting till the lockdown before it perpetuates itself. It's sort of yeah, it's what, it's really odd. Well, I mean, what you just said about how it gives you a sense of control in what is a very terrifying um, and unsettling time, that definitely makes sense. Why do you think it seems to be such a specific demographic, like such a specific age range? 
why do you, like, <laughs> like, I don't want to do boomer bashing, but wh- like, they're all, the, they're, like you said, they look the same. Why is it because these boomers? Had the, look, all right, I'll do, I'll do it cool. once. Okay. If we're going to rip the bandaid off, this is going to go on record because the generation that they are from have had the easiest lives in the history of humans ever. It is as simple as that. They were in the absolute glory years of, they might've been five or six year olds during the Vietnam war. But after that, they have never seen any sort of hardship or warfare. Uh, There was a brief period. The greatest battle they ever had was the great interest rate rise of the early nineties. Like you, you are looking at the most in control people in the history of the world who have had every sort of entitlement they have had and it's been very interesting it's been interesting for me to have conversations with my parents and see sort of their attitudes shift as well me as well yeah um, because our parents probably fit close to this demographic absolutely yeah, yeah. and i hear the like some of the conversations I, I it's a little bit unsettling and and thank god nobody in my family has whipped out a mobile phone and argued no. with a police officer but yeah it's almost as if they're not used to the system not being about them. Do you think? Exactly. Well, yes, I agree. And their parents had it bloody hard. Yeah. Like, that's the thing. So, they grew up with their parents being like, you guys have got it so easy. And so, they've tried to trot out these lines for a long time. And I think only now are they starting to go, oh, man, things are pretty rough these days. This is probably the hardest stuff we've ever faced in our lifetime. And can I just say the people that are doing that, that actually takes a great deal of humility and and they should pat themselves on the backs for for having the humility and, and being able to put their ego aside and acknowledge that it is a very strange time to be alive and that, that times like this don't happen very often. And I'm mm. not trying to blow it out of proportion. It's not certainly not no. the Second World War. But, but it is a very strange time in comparison to the past 45 to 65 years of human history. Yeah. And and it's important to acknowledge that, that we're all going through this very odd, unstable time. There's instability in China. There's a lot of instability in the US. There's instability worldwide because of a pandemic. Uh, and I think that you're, you're talking about people who have had 40 to 50 years on this planet to make their mind up that they are able to rule and they are able to push this planet around however they want. So it must be weird to all of a sudden have, I guess, the rug pulled up from under you. And and it must be hard to understand. Yeah. And I think it's really interesting to see generationally how, um, like, you and I are both pretty comfortably in the millennial age bracket. And yep. I would say most people our age and most of the people that I know um, are really kind of accepting of the ideas of lockdown face masks and things like that. And the things that our generation has gone through, basically, as soon as we were graduating from uni, um, there was a global financial crisis. So we all graduated yeah. to like no jobs and huge uh, economic instability. The housing prices have exponentially exploded throughout our lifetime. So we also kind of turned into adults in a world where it was like, okay, and you're probably never going to be able to buy a house in a major city. So mm. uh, we... You can go back even further, though, Tim. I mean, when, when with our generation, when we were between five to fifteen years old, we also watched, we watched the, the start of the attack on yeah. on. Uh, you know, we all watched nine uh, eleven. Well, I remember waking up in the morning before school and yeah. watching it on the TV. And 
So instability has been a big part of our lives the whole time. So it makes sense that we've been able to adapt or evolve to it quicker. Yeah. And yeah, there's still weirdos out there. There's still, yeah, yeah, yeah. Y- you know, people that propagate those things. But it it definitely seems like we've been able to adapt a little bit easier than maybe people that next generation older. I think because we have grown, uh, we've lived our entire lives with an understanding that we are very small in the system. Like there is such yes. a big world around us and also growing up and having social media explode with, our, with us as we develop. You grow up and you're like, okay, the world is crazy and we're a tiny, tiny part of it. Whereas we watch these people of the slightly older generation I mean, that woman who was in Bunnings who was saying, this is an impediment on my human rights. This is discriminating against me as a woman. And it's like, if you think this is discriminating against you, you have no idea of what discrimination is. is. uh, That that is probably the, and I don't want to, you know, uh, cast uh, aspersions, but that is probably the same woman that would be very pro offshore detention. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you know, and she's quoting that it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's a violation of her human rights to wear a yeah, mask. Yeah. All right. See you later, Karen. Should we move on? Yeah, let's do it. Story number two. Is TikTok a digital Chinese spy? Uh, This story nearly came up a couple of weeks ago, and now it's actually been growing, brewing in the background. I'll give you the dot points. There have been rumors that the Chinese app TikTok is secretly a digital data collection service for the Chinese government. Uh, This has been going for about a month now after developers basically pulled the app apart and found that there's all these data tracking programs and connections to China within it that don't need to be there for the app to work. Now, Australian federal politicians have officially set a date for a formal inquiry at the Senate. It's happening August 21, and TikTok is invited to defend itself. Nick, what do you think? Is TikTok secretly a Chinese spy? (laughs) I think we can end this one quickly. Yes. Done. Uh some point look at some point you got to take your hat okay every every corporation that becomes a billion dollar corporation yeah. uh out of china has some level of government involvement because it's, uh, it's a one-party communist country so in order exactly for a company right. so, to exist the government yeah. needs to be involved yeah exactly right so it's it's no doubt in my mind would there, and I don't even know if it would have started on an ultra nefarious level, but at some point they're like, hey, you know what's really valuable at the moment? Big data. Big data is like one of the biggest buzzwords in the marketing world at the moment and people wanting to get their hands on big data, which is kind of funny because if anyone's involved in research or data collection, you would know that you can get to ample sample sizes without requiring big data, but where it actually becomes interesting is the transference of information. So what you're gathering from these people and how you're able to exploit that to continue either marketing or, or, or hacking. And and there's a very high chance that the Chinese government would have huge interest in getting big data from the US and Australia and Europe. Mm. So uh, on a base level, yeah. But on another level, You've really got to commend the Chinese because they're going to win the Third World War without a single bullet being fired. Like it is, it is incredible how they have sort of studied America and been like, you know, in this capitalist world, corporate takeover is pretty good. And you know what would be better than having huge wars with massive losses where we look like the enemy? Let's just do a hostile takeover of every other country on the planet. And that's sort Let's of what they're in the process them. of doing. Yeah. Yeah, they're buying them. Bu- they're buying buy Australian land. Yeah. 
Exactly right. And and soon they'll be able to buy Australian corporations and they'll have our data. And it's inter- it'll be in I guess the next thing will be it'll be interesting to see how they manipulate or utilize those assets to uh, or what their end goal is. Really, like, do they want more land? Do they want more resources? What is what is the goal? It's very interesting. What I really am a fan of in this story is how clever. I, I actually agree with you. I don't. I, I don't need to debate with you whether or not I think TikTok is secretly a Chinese spyware <laughs> app. But I think it's genius the way that they've done it because yeah. Um. So most other uh programs or apps, um, if you look at Instagram or Facebook or whatever, um they all run on algorithms that are kind of like Reddit, where if something gets momentum, then it gets seen by more people. And so what that means is there's a huge bias towards existing big um, companies or, or um, socialites or, or whatever. Yeah. Um, or, or influencers. Uh, yeah. Um, and so it means that there's actually like a small deterrent to get started because you're like, well, how am I ever going to be able to compete with Logan Paul when he makes a video and it gets 20 million follow, uh, viewers straight away? What's the point in me making a video? Whereas TikTok doesn't have that. So basically, if you make a video, um, TikTok just sends it out to people. And once it's been seen by a certain number of people, then it can start to um, get upvoted or downvoted on its own merit. But it basically means that everybody has the same chance of their videos doing well. And I've even just jumped around on TikTok and seen videos from people that I know that are just regular people who I don't even follow. And so it's really cool to see that on one hand, it's giving people a chance to get their stuff out there. And then on the other hand, you go, well, that's really evil genius because it's basically... Uh, they've gone, what do Americans and Westerners like? Fame. How do we do it? We create a platform where we offer them cheap, disposable fame. Yeah. And now we're going to get it's all bizarre. the data. Yeah. Very smart, it's, right? It comes but I think one of the most fascinating things, if you, if you go back and read uh, either uh, biographies or you watch documentaries on um, Andy Warhol, uh-huh. He's the guy oh, yeah. that invented the concept of 15 minutes of fame. And it's, it's, in, it, he said, you know, in the future, everyone will be, and it's a real defin, like it's a real Da Vinci moment when you hear about Leonardo Da Vinci drawing uh, plans for the helicopter centuries before it happened and things like that. Like for him to have the foresight to understand, even in the 60s and 70s, that Americans had such a lust for fame An obsession. and such a, Exactly, an obsession with acquiring it more so than money, more so than anything else. And and that's ultimately the world we live in. And TikTok's a program that does that. It gives Americans the chance to feel like they're famous and feel like they're indulging in the same products. Like that's the genius. Everyone always looks at modern art and they go, oh, it's such a such a wank. And like, what? why is a can of Heinz soup symbolic? And it's because the same can of Heinz soup that Elvis Presley eats is the same can of Heinz soup that I can go to the shop and buy. It's giving... Western culture a chance to attain these things that we that we thought when we were growing up were unattainable. So for them to to hack into that and use it as a way, it's it it's wild. It's it's certainly going to be very interesting. I've got two questions for you. One, do you have TikTok? Uh, no. Okay. So <laughs> I I have TikTok. Um, the second one is I'm assuming that you don't um not have it because you're afraid of the data. I'm assuming that you don't have it just because you're not. You're not interested you're big, in just it. because it's me. If, if anyone's listened to this podcast, they'll understand that I'm not a ginormous consumer no. of social media. No, you're not. A, <laughs> um, so I guess my second question is: Do you think it matters? 
that they've created this app that farms out our data. Because if you look at its competitors, I mean, Facebook has come under huge scrutiny for uh, sharing and mining data and using it illegally. And then even aside from that, I kind of think that we just live in a world now where you just need to accept that if you live on the internet or you exist and have a digital footprint online, your data is going to be leaked and is going to be used by different corporations against your will. I was having a look um, online and just this year, there have been data breaches in Australia by Amazon, Microsoft, the Australian Department of Defense, Melbourne TAFE, the Australian Federal Court, Facebook, Apple, Optus, the Western Australian Police, and so many more. Do we just go, well, this is just another one to add to the list, and this one's going to China? Yeah, I think you do, to be honest. I think the the genie uh, came out of the bottle when it came to privacy and, and us having control of our online footprint before we even knew that it was something we needed to be concerned about. Totally. Like we were signing up to stuff uh, via Facebook or via God knows what, what else, whatever else you want to put uh, your data through. We've been doing that for decades and not understanding that companies are able to profit from on selling this or sharing this or mining this. So yeah, ultimately, if you, if you, if you are listening to this podcast, then different companies have your data. You are already someone who exists online. The only way for you to, to take back control of that like there isn't even you can pay companies to to protect you and filter you but even then you got to trust that company and why would you i think it's so, just i don't think look, it's about it's removing, just a thing i don't think it's about removing your digital footprint i think it's about just understanding that nothing in this world is free and so yeah. much of what we consume online seems free but it's not mm. it's no. not free and it comes, pay- it comes at a deeper cost yeah you're paying for the- it with your data and your information. I mean, Facebook, I've used Facebook 20 times today. I haven't paid a cent for it. I pay for it with my data. And I think if you don't want to be a part of that, all you have to do is not buy it. Um, exactly right. Use and it. not use those products. Yeah. But you already have, so it's too late. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, unless you are a baby who doesn't have anything, you already exist online somewhere. The flip side, which I can say, is my fiance Jazz and I actually, for a long time when we were earning... Uh, a lot less than we are now, would often um, get extra pocket money by doing online surveys. Oh, there you go. And there's some great great websites where you can do that. And you go online and you might earn 10 bucks for doing a 20-minute survey, five bucks for doing a 20-minute survey. Uh, and, and it's a really easy way to earn a little extra pocket money if you're in uni or if you're in high school. So you're like directly selling your data and it's a more um, honest way of doing it. Yeah, exactly. Real money. Exactly right. There you go. And as long as you fit the demo, then I think there's a uh, I think Survey Monkey mainly do free surveys. But I can't I can't specifically remember the websites we used to use. Let's but find it. We'll I find it. That, we'll put it in the Facebook group. Um yeah. jump in off air on Facebook. Yeah, cool. Yeah, good idea. Absolutely. All right. So our advice is unless you're a baby, uh, your stuff is already being taken. So babies out there, think very carefully before you sign up exactly. to Instagram. <laughs> All the baby listeners. Um, Yeah. Story number three? Yeah, let's do it. Story number three. Hashtag challenge accepted. This week, Nick, women have been empowering other women with an Insta movement where you post a black and white photo of yourself, um, often with the words uh, challenge accepted, and then you say some type of inspo quote like, here's to all the powerful women out there getting it done every day. Um, So far, the hashtag has been 
filling up Instagram and Facebook. It's been used over 3 million times in the last week by celebrities like Khloe Kardashian, Jennifer Gardner, Jennifer Garner and Kristen Bell. But there's also a very interesting history to the challenge. And in its current form, I would go so far as to say it is a total wank. Nick Stewart, oh. have you seen the hashtag challenge accepted challenge in your social media? No, I have not. Oh, you're, Although You're really going in blind for once. I'm 100% going in and blind on this. I did not know this was even a thing. You haven't seen I, it at I'm all. The majority of, yeah, no. But my Instagram page is uh, a, a mix of golf, basketball, and UFC. So, <laughs> it, weirdly, it hasn't crossed over to my three major genres. Wow. But um, So, what's the origins of this? Okay. So, firstly, it is – I mean, I can't stress enough. It is huge. If I go into my Insta feed, it is – I would say 50% of my feet are these black and white photos. And it's women saying we are empowering women. But the other thing is they're just posting a, a photo of themselves. And usually the last one that I saw was like a hot bikini pic photo. So yeah. very, very often it's a photo of yourself looking great Um and there's no empowerment going on at all. You're not uh, congratulating any other women or thanking other women for their work. It's normally just an excuse to post a hot photo. Um, yeah. It's been absolutely blowing up. But I, I wanted to get into the backstory because the backstory is really, really interesting. And I think where we've got is very, very sad. So the backstory of this uh, hashtag challenge is that this was started in Turkey as a way to raise awareness of femicides, which is a really serious problem over there. It's a serious problem, I mean, in the majority of the world, to be honest. Um, if you don't know what a femicide is, it's the murder of a woman, usually just on account of her gender. So, for example, the, mm. the Eurydice Dixon case from, I believe, last year, that's a good example yep. of a femicide. Um, so we're not talk just to just to be clear, we're not talking about yeah, inf infantile femicide where it's like killing a baby girl because it's not as valuable in your culture. No, to have a child, a, a baby girl. No, as I to a baby don't boy. think so. I think that this is more adult women. Um, okay. In Turkey in 2019, there were 500 femicides. So wow. more than one a day, nearly two a day. And the backstory is that... Jesus. Yeah. That is the, the startling thing about that for me. And it, I shouldn't say this because um, it's like Australia's not horribly far off that. And I would would have liked to have thought that we would be. Yeah. Yeah. It, I mean, it's a, it's, a, it's a terrible problem. And I think domestic violence in general is a terrible, terrible problem yeah, in Australia. Absolutely. Um, so... The, the backstory is that in Turkey, those numbers have been really high for a very long time. And every single day, there were black and white photos of um, women uh, who had since been murdered um, popping up yeah, in the okay. newspaper. And so the movement started in Turkey for women to post a photo of themselves in black and white um, with a, it could have been me, um, kind of shedding awareness on the idea that this could be me one day. And if you care about me, then it's important that you try to get behind this um, so that we can start to raise awareness. So this is where the story started. And it has exploded into Western culture in literally the last week. And now all of a sudden, it's probably the number one trending thing on Instagram for chicks to share these hot bikini photos of themselves um, with, the, with the words hashtag 
uh, challenge accepted and hashtag women empowering women. But they've it's really sad because we're completely missing the point and we're not empowering anybody anymore. Um, yeah. I Look, I for one am always pro uh, hot bikini images. <laughs> um, but I would like to say like it is interesting because there was a similar one that uh, pe- men were doing recently. And it's and I've seen a few different variations of this. And it goes to the next step beyond this where I don't know if you saw this one, but it was about uh, blokes committing suicide yep. uh, or, or along those lines. And it was like drink a, a shot of rum, a shot of vodka, a shot of something else and scull a beer in a minute or you have to donate money to this charity. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, I think I and it's like, it, well... Yeah. Why don't we just donate money to the charity? Like, why are we putting challenges in place to stop us from trying to support these positive things? I think it's such a, it's, it, you're 100% right. It's a total wank. It's all, it's, it's, because those people would be sitting at home and they've posted this image of themselves in a bikini or whatever in black and white. Whatever, yeah. And they would be like, oh, that's my good deed for the day. There's been some interesting stuff floating around online. Um, I'm sorry that you haven't actually seen this post, but I feel like a lot of people listening, this will be a big part of their um, Insta feed today. But um, mm. something that I've seen floating around, um, Alana Levinson, she's a writer and she put on Twitter, instead of posting that hot black and white selfie, why don't we ease into feminine? Uh, ease into feminism with something low stakes like cutting off your friend who's an abuser Um, Mm. and I think it's really you know it's kind of similar to what we saw happening with um, the Black Lives Matter movement and sharing of the black tile I think what we have here is a really nice idea uh, because of course women empowering women is important and to go even back a step of course stopping femicides in turkey is super important but what we've ended up with is a real self-gratifying situation where people are just searching for likes um Batuta posted an article. I love Batuta. And I think they summed it up really nicely. They said, feminists report sharp spike in empowerment after Byron influencer <laughs> post black and white box gap selfie. <laughs> I think that sums it up perfectly. Like we've got this situation where we take a really great cause, the same as your men's mental health thing. There's the 25 pushups for, for PTSD thing. Yeah. And we sync it with shameless self-gratification on social media that doesn't actually help. And it's, I just think it's so sad. I think it's, I guess it depends what people back it up with though as well. Like if they're back, if they are backing it up with trying to, geez, I don't know. I agree. I agree with you. And I like, I definitely do um, see it as self-gratification, but it depends, I guess, because there probably is some people who are posting this image, but they're also doing the hard yards and, and, trying to make an active difference. And I guess the people that are just doing it for shameless self-promotion are diminishing those people even more because they're flooding that arena with images. Yeah, yeah. I think that there's so much that can be done. Um, Like I think if we're talking about women empowering women or just people empowering women, because I think that that's an important thing to do, like supporting female writers by buying their books or directors by watching their films or like supporting female run businesses, especially at the moment, like attending or, or supporting female uh, business awards nights, supporting women in sport. There are women's advocacy groups or even going on social media to highlight great achievements by women that are in your life. I think those are all ways that actually empower other women and, um, yeah, I think it's really sad to see when people are totally missing the point. I'm also very sad that you haven't seen 
uh, this floating around on your Instagram. Although I'm also a little bit jealous because it's starting to totally piss me off because it's so dumb. <laughs> uh, look, I think it, it would be really easy for us to sign this off with like the internet is the worst because yeah. that has been a theme throughout this podcast. But ultimately, the internet is just a tool. And uh, unfortunately, often humans will find ways to use and abuse tools in the incorrect manner. So it's, you know, it comes back to us and it comes back to all of us, I think, being a little bit more kind to everyone around each other on a daily basis and trying to live that as a value more so than what they post. And and look, to be perfectly honest with you, I think it also comes back to just being mindful in the minute, being mindful in the moment you're in and not being concerned about how you are perceived or how other people perceive your life online. Because if you're, if you're more concerned about the real relationships in your life, you're probably going to end up being a lot more happy, being a lot more present and enjoying your life a lot more. Hmm. I think that's nice advice. Um, in terms of how we're going to sign this off, because you didn't know anything about this story, do you want me to squeeze in a tiny little baby story that's going to piss you off? <laughs> sure. What happened? <laughs> tiny little baby story number four, which is a rarity. I'll even shout it out. Story number four. UK study finds that tall people are twice as likely to catch COVID. <laughs> <laughs> They found that if you're six foot two and over, you are more than 50% more likely to catch COVID-19 because they believe now that it travels less in water vapor and uh, less in water droplets and more in vapor, um, which rises in kind of little mushroom clouds. And so for people who are six foot two and over, they find that they're catching it much more. Uh, Nick Stewart. Uh, but we'll always be more sexually attractive to you. But that's are you? The- <laughs> I'm six foot three. <laughs> for you, buddy. I love that they've done the study. Um, and- All you goddamn hobbits, watch where you're breathing and wear masks, all right? <laughs> keep, keep the air nice and clean here for us purebreds. <laughs> <laughs> keep breathing directly up. If you haven't met either of us, Nick is quite a bit taller than me. I'm five foot 11, so just less than six foot. So I'm just under that nice COVID area. So <laughs> sucked in, Nick. That has to- I'm going to, I will be stealing that story. That's tickled my fancy. That's hilarious. Okay, enjoy. Um, thanks a lot for, if you're still hanging out with us, for listening to another episode of Off Air. Again, jump on our Facebook page. Uh, we've got a group. It's a private group where we can all talk about all these different stories. Uh, just search Off Air on in your Facebook browser and then um, sign up all of your data so that we can send it off to China. It's a lot quicker and easier yes. that way. I, for one, would like to thank our Chinese overlords uh, for their continued support of the Off Air podcast. <laughs> thank you, China. Goodbye. <laughs>